Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please, come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Welcome to episode 95 of the Disney Brit Podcast for Wednesday the 6th of June 2012. And joining me as always, it's Juz. Hello, Juz. Hello, Adam. Hello, Disney pod people. Hello, um, Your Majesty the Queen. And Oh, Your Majesty the Queen, in fact. <laughs> and hello, a very fluey Kez. Hello, guys. <laughs> you are, you've actually got the flu, haven't you? Yes. Why else would you say I'm she's fluey? Fluid. No, but you know, sometimes people have like, like, they say they've got the flu and actually they've just got a really bad cold. I think that'd be a horrible thing to say. Here's Fluey Kez. She's fit and well. We just call her Fluey. Because <laughs> <laughs> of her phlegm issue. Something like that, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Have we all had a good weekend? And uh, being and bearing in mind, the UK has been on, like, halt for the past five days or whatever it is due to uh, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee 60 years. Have you all uh, partaken in the Jubilee celebrations, Jez? Oh, yeah, you bet. What have you done to celebrate the, the Jubilee? I put Her Majesty a, a paving bit down. You, you, I haven't done it. You bought her one. That's right. Uh, I've put down a flagstone in memory of Her Majesty. What, you're going to put it at Buckingham Palace? Or? If the restraining order lets me, yes. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> so you haven't really partaken in any of the Jubilee celebrations? No, I, I partook in the days off. I did not partake oh. in the celebrations. That sounds good. Um, Kez? Oh, I had a lovely time actually with you, Adam, on uh, Saturday. <laughs> that Jubilee doesn't go concert. together. <laughs> <laughs> and lovely Zoe and Harry. We had a lovely time. Yes, we took uh, Harry. At the Disney and Sainsbury's event. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock uh, and don't know anything about what's going on in the UK, it's the Diamond Jubilee. Uh, this past weekend, where we were celebrating the Queen's 60th anniversary on the throne. In fact, as we're recording this, the Diamond Jubilee concert is on downstairs, of which, I've got to say, the Jubilee single, awesome. Um, but that's got absolutely nothing to do with Disney whatsoever. Um, but one of the things that did happen was uh, on the Saturday and Sunday, it was the Jubilee Family Festival, which was presented by Sainsbury's, and Disney had quite a big hand in. Uh, so I thought we'd tell you a little bit about this and about what happened at the event. Uh, you will find already a post up on DisneyBrit.com that's got a load of photos from the event, and over the next few days there's some video going up as well. So, um, Kez, do you want to explain a little bit about sort of Disney's involvement in this event? Right, basically, they had um, a lot of... Uh, stalls around it's basically like a village fate but like the biggest village fate you can imagine and getting charged a lot of money to get in to see it yep. um and disney had a big tent in there which had um finn mcmissile mater and lightning mcqueen that you could meet and jake from the netherland pirates and various interactive like craft activities for the children um and they were featuring the new connects rush um game and then in the evening, there was a concert on the main stage um, of all the Disney music. It was Princesses versus Pirates, so lots of famous West End musical stars singing Disney songs, which kept me very, very happy. And then at the end, all ten Disney princesses came on, and we had Jack Sparrow. It was lovely, and the weather was good. On the Saturday. On the Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't good on the Sunday, and people got very wet. We definitely but... put the right day. Uh, yeah. Kez dead right. It was just like a, a massive village fate, basically. And Disney had this, uh, what is going to be described as a big top. Uh, and the queues were insane. I think we arrived at about 11 o'clock. And by yeah. that point, people were already queuing two hours just to get into this tent. But Disney being Disney, had already got it in hand and were giving out fast passes to people. They were basically coloured bracelets with a time to return on. And we managed to pick one up for, I think, 12.30 and went off and enjoyed some of the other stuff and went back and got straight in. Uh, in fact, there's a bit of divine retribution in this because there was a very, very grumpy man. No doubt he's not listening to us, whatever. It was seriously <laughs> miserable. We joined the queue originally before we knew the fast passes were going on. And uh, he went, excuse me, mate, you know we're queuing here. I was like, well, yeah, that's why I've joined the queue. 
No, we're queuing here. All right. And the queue's down there. It's like, well, yeah, the people who've queued behind me just thought, you know, I'm not going to argue. So I went to the back of the queue and then I heard about the fast pass thing. So I went and got my fast pass, went off, got a drink, etc. Came back with my fast pass and there I saw the man standing right towards the beginning of the queue and he was so close to going in and I think he saw me and saw me walk straight past him with my fast pass on. And there you go, that's <laughs> divine retribution for you. So I was quite pleased. But the, the actual tent itself was quite cool. They had a, a club penguin snow dome which you can climb inside and it was just full of polystyrene balls of which the kids could climb in mean, there was one child trying to bury an ipad in it which was quite funny at one point. um and uh, the environmental health officer was around she didn't look too impressed with the filled polystyrene balls but there you go there was film at mixile there was a princess makeover area where kids could decorate crowns and take them with them as kez has already said there was jake from jake and the neverland pirates there was an art attack area where you could get colored mickey mouse and stick it on to create a flag in the center you could have crepes um popcorn or can- cotton candy candy floss was absolutely free you just joined up joined the seeing i totally missed yourself. that when i went in uh, <laughs> and uh, it was really great and the whole floor was covered and everything and it was fantastic with it they had a 3d telly which had 3d movies on you had uh, a photo area you had connect rush and um also the uh, Disneyland Adventure game that people could play in as well, which was really cool. But I guess also, as always, you mentioned the uh, the magic of Disney in concert, as it was called. It was uh, full of Western stars, full of Disney characters. And in fact, we were seriously geeking out because the show started with a piece of Disney music we didn't think we'd ever hear outside <laughs> of Disney theme park, which was... Fantasmic. Fantasmic. They started the whole show with the the theme to Fantasmic, which was fantastic, followed by Sorcerer Mickey coming out, and right at the very end of the Fantasmic section, uh, they were they were basically fireworks that came out of his fingers, just like they're doing the in the show in the US, which was awesome. Um, really good show, really entertaining, uh, some really nice elements to it, including some surprise bits of, of characters we weren't expecting, and then what was basically a, at the end of the entire Disney concert, a twenty minute concert by the Lion King cast who did uh, a load on, on top of the show that we'd already seen, which was great. But um, we have got the entire concert on video. We recorded it. Um, if it's not up by the time you listen to the show, it will be up within the next couple of days. We're just sort of optimising the hour and a half video uh, to go up on YouTube and those sort of places. So you can check that out when it disappears. We'll let you know when it does. But um, did this not interest you at all, Jos? Um, I don't know. Why don't that, you know, as usual, make everything down south? You know, forget us northerners, doesn't matter. Well, it is Concert, the Queen all that Jubilee. Lot. You know, she obviously was only down south, so it doesn't bother that, me. That's true, down south, listen to him. Um, it, yeah, it was good about The only thing is, I think they underestimated the crowds, and um, yes. people were <laughs> queuing a long time for food. Uh, just ask Joe, uh, who went to get Jack of Potatoes, the name was gone nearly an hour and a half <laughs> just to get Jack of Potatoes. So, uh, it was very, very busy. Well, that's enough about the Queen's Jube Diamond Jubilee. Let's uh, move on to something more Disney-specific. And I think it's about time we did some Disney news and rumours. Good morning, sire. Good morning, Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Fire away. So uh, let's start off with just then. Uh, we always give him the good news, and once again, <laughs> we're giving him the great news about Disney tickets. Yeah, the price has gone down uh, due to the recession and everything else, the economic downturn. The shareholders have all agreed at Disney that they do not want a dividend this year. It's not important. What's important is everyone gets a lovely holiday. So they reduce the park prices to nothing. It's free to go into all the parks. I love the fact that you try and make up news that then people aren't quite sure whether it's true or whether or not you're making it up and never know quite know whether you're telling the truth or not. Disney used to share my birthday with a price increase day. Um, and over the last two to three years, they've very carefully slinked this date forward. Yeah. Um, so what starts off as 1st of August, then became in July, we now touch as the 3rd of June. Next yeah. year, expect it to be May. Um, They've put the price up again. 
So one day mission has gone from 85 to 89 plus tax. Annual passes have gone up from 519 to 574. Uh, premium annual passes will go from 649 to 699. Um, everyone, is it first time annual pass for anyone age three and above? Yeah. Cost the same. Um, the charge doesn't affect the UK at the moment. The ultimate tickets, that's still fine. But this is once again a massive increase. And um, someone did a a bit of maths on the internet over the weekend and said three years time we're going to touch the hundred dollar ticket and how exclusive is that making disney compared to everyone else and we know that universal within this week will follow suit yeah that's very likely mm. to happen disney have yeah we had august didn't we for a while and then he brought it was it to august July. the first for ages yeah it was and i think disney cottoned on to the fact that there were people buying the tickets when they got to the parks and they were missing yeah, out on the price increase. So they, they moved it back to June a couple of years ago and it's kind of stayed around the June sort of date. And we've always expected it to come in June, but never quite sure when, because Disney have all only really ever given people a couple of days' notice before they've done it. So those people who are buying annual passes and stuff like that can buy them now and then renew them. Bef- if they buy annual passes now, as long as they activate them before the end of 2012, then they can use them. But it's only if you were ahead of the game and got it sorted and got yourself ready. Otherwise, you're now paying a silly amount of money. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I just don't seem to agree with this whole kids aged three upwards pay exactly the same price for adults for an annual pass. I don't know about you, Judge, whether this is the sort of thing that you think will put families off from doing it. I've never agreed with the whole Disney philosophy of 11-year-old as an adult in the first place. No, well, that is true. Um, so whatever they do is no surprise to me with kids because they've never really acknowledged a kid as a kid. No, that's true. <laughs> Kaz? I think it's ridiculous. Especially, There's a lot of things in this country where people are like, yeah, 12-year-olds are adults, which I find ridiculous. So I don't see how they can class a three-year-old the same as an adult for an annual pass. Now, I can, I can kind of get the 12-year-old thing because by that age, they're going to be older and they're going to go on more of the bigger attractions and that sort of stuff. And I suppose if you look at it from a, a, a point of view that if adults are going on all those attractions and 12-year-olds are doing it, there's no difference between the two, so they should be paying the adult rate. Yeah, but at the end of the day... a three-year-old... Um, it's the adult that's paying well, exactly. the, for the 12-year-old. And so until they're, they're like 16 when they've got jobs or whatever and they could afford to pay towards it themselves, then that's fair enough. But That's what it should be based on, shouldn't it, Kez? They should exactly. go and say, have you got a job? Okay, you can pay. <laughs> yeah, you've yeah, got a paper round. Yeah, you can pay full price. But just a three-year-old to pay... No, you know, I think about Harry. Okay, Harry's not the most... <laughs> doesn't matter, he won't be coming. I think about him, I just exactly. don't, I won't pay it. Yeah, no, I, I think about Harry. We take him to Legoland. Uh, we were there again yesterday, and there are still things in that place he will not go on because he's, he's still petrified, and we go through the whole... You know, when we were there yesterday, it was we want to try one new ride. So yesterday we tried a helicopter ride that just goes up and down and spins around a little bit and you control it with levers. And that's about the threshold he's at because he, he can be a little bit scared of attractions. And yet that's turning around and saying to the same sort of family, right, your child, you want an annual pass for your five-year-old who will never touch Splash or Big Thunder Mountain or all these attractions, but you're still paying the same price. And that for me is, is just too far, mm-hmm. I think. It's just too over the top. But um, they've done it. End of. There's not a lot we can do it. You either pay or you don't go. And Disney is, know that. It is causing an issue with, I think, getting down to the fact that you're creating a, a them and us situation where some families yeah. can't afford. Yeah. And I think you're starting to make that sort of exclusive banding away from Disney unless they've you know, created a, a poor Disney park. I don't know. And I know we keep um, going on about it, but if we go back to the, the VIP fast passes and things like that, it all sort of adds on top, doesn't it, with everything we've already been talking about. If all the secondary attractions really want to dominate here around Disney parks, whether it's Universal or on the SeaWorld or whether it's um, oh, the park in um, Paris, Asterix. Asterix. Just, just drop your prices a bit. Make a special deal and you'll get it. Or even to the point they could turn around and say, if you turn up to show you bought a Disney ticket, you can get so much off your ticket here, sort of thing, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yes, I agree, because you've spent so much in the first place. Yeah, so we're saying you can get a discount here because you've already spent a small fortune there. That's a jolly good idea. I don't know whether that makes business sense or not. There's probably someone screaming at uh, their iPod and money going, or any other... No, because you might get someone who you never got before. True, that is also Mm. very, very true. 
Right, uh, we're all, we're always going to moan about price hikes, no matter what. Even if it's even a slightly good idea, we're still going to moan about it. But on a positive side, the prices are going up. But Disney are offering new services. As you know, over the past few months, we've talked about uh, Wi-Fi that's been coming uh, all across the different resorts. It started off in the sort of uh, posher resorts, more deluxe resorts, and now is pretty much. Uh, resort-wide, well, Disney are trialling it in the parks, and this is something that we've been waiting for them to do for a long, long time. It looks like it's finally going to be here. Because during the summer season, all the way through Epcot, Disney are setting up Wi-Fi hotspots. That's what they're calling them. Basically, they're large tented areas of which people are going to be able to go into, connect to the Wi-Fi, and take rest in the shade while they check their emails, Facebook, or, as I would probably do, FaceTime somebody from my iPhone to say, look where I am and you're not. Uh, I guess that's the sort of thing I'd probably do. Um, but they're actually trying out these Wi-Fi hotspots all over the uh, the park at Epcot to see whether or not they're going to be useful, whether or not people are actually going to take it up and sort of, I suppose, how much it's going to cost them. Um, when we talked about the uh, mobile magic app and we were saying how it's going to cost you a small fortune for data and all that sort of stuff while you're in the US maybe now having Wi-Fi in the parks means that suddenly becomes quite a useful app indeed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, busy summer season. If you're heading to Epcot and you do get a chance to try out these Wi-Fi hotspots, um, then do let us know uh, how well they work. I know people have complained about it being very slow in the resorts. It'll be interesting to see whether it's the same uh, in the parks as well. Now, Jess, you're our kind of uh, IT guru. So, do you think having Wi-Fi in the parks itself is going to have a big difference on the way people tour the parks or the way people interact in the parks? The whole the whole point behind the Wi-Fi in the parks is so Disney can utilise its apps and utilise things further, isn't it? Um, mm. They're able to do, you know, whether it's, you know, your feature of your Fast Pass being an app and stuff like that with Wi-Fi. But let's be honest, I can go to a travel lodge for less than £29 a night and have free Wi-Fi, and I've been able to do that for about two or three years. Mm. They have taken too long to actually set this all up, not only the hotels, but the park, for something to, so easy. I mean, it's one of the easiest things to set up is what, Wi-Fi, and it costs them nothing more because they've already got the bandwidth there. So I think, yes, it's great, it's fantastic. It gives the opportunity to use all your apps. I think what it gives them, though, is the opportunity to let you have apps that they they then can have access to. Well, that was uh, the push. It's quite interesting that you said that about not being able to set up because I don't know enough about the infrastructure of it all. Is it going? Is it that simple to set up a Wi-Fi hotspot in a park and, and allow people to get access to it on a, a, something of that scale? Disney's already got or has had for years wireless APs right throughout the parks. The right. use of their own network. Okay. You just take a subnet of that and just create it into a Wi-Fi channel. Right. So, and it, so it was that easy, so there's yeah. no reason why it can't happen in all the parks quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, and as you were saying, yeah, with uh, things like um, the Mobile Magic app, with them maybe doing apps for... Well, one of the things you can do on the Mobile Magic app is you can go through and look at availability for restaurants and things like that before you have to ring up or whatever. But well, um, how about the fact that because I can track you via GPS or anywhere, I can track you when you're in there. I know you've got your app. I know you're about to walk past a cart that sells, you know, corn dogs, and I send you a, a $5 off your corn dog meal if you buy this sort of combination. Yeah. That'd be true. good. I've got you instantly. <laughs> now, you're uh, an app developer, because... Yep. So, from your point of view, is this something that opens up new doors to people She's like working yourselves? on it now, you say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disney Brit app. Uh, yeah, it would be brilliant to be able to actually utilise things like Mobile Magic without incurring all those ridiculous roaming fees. Mm. And so, I think we'd see a big boom in apps that maybe, like, interactive games and stuff. So, as you go around, like, the parks and stuff, and you'll be yeah. like triggering like hidden things like um augmented reality type stuff would be quite cool mm. so yeah things like that i think it opens a lot of doors like but QR also means that i have no excuse now to go no sorry i didn't get your email <laughs> that's, <laughs> true. that's also true but you get the <laughs> qr codes and things like that, that they could use and, and all those sort of bits and pieces mm. as well i suppose while you're at it um very interesting uh, the other thing uh, and certainly our, our sponsors at at toyplans.com uh they have the lines app uh which has a really useful tool in it that allows you to sort of guess or they they use the data they've got to work out the length of time there are for attractions and also when fast passes are going to run out that's something you'll be able to constantly check when you're in epcot mm. if you don't have us mobile so you know that's something means that if you've got that subscription to touring plans then it's something you can um, really utilize while you're out in the parks do you not think that some of these apps that exist 
that have done this kind of thing might become redundant because the companies themselves will produce it within their own apps. Oh, I have no doubt that some of them will do. I'm not um, just talking, you know, Disney, but, you know, Universal and the rest of them will do the same, wouldn't they? Yeah, oh, do you think Universal will go the same way? Are we looking at Universal? <laughs> when has Disney done something that Universal, Universal hasn't followed? Yeah. <laughs> That's very, very true. But I don't think... Universal are as far forward in their use of Wi-Fi and apps and that sort of stuff as as Disney are. Would we be fair in saying that? Mm, they produced their app, didn't it? Just they didn't produce it to be used in the UK. <laughs> the app wasn't particularly great, was it? I do remember that particular episode of Iron Orlando. Yes, it's probably working on it now for. Yeah, that's why she's gone quiet. She's doing yeah. yeah. She's click, click, click. fine. That's anyway. why she said she's busy all week. <laughs> yeah, I'm not rehearsing, I'm just app developing. <laughs> uh, right, Kez, we're staying in Epcot, let's head over to the UK, and uh, the movie Brave. Yes, they're um, doing the Highland Games tournament in Epcot, and um, basically it's a lot of um, like little mini interactive games you can get involved in, including archery and tossing the cable, and there's a new little playground for children, it's just like a simple little thing with a couple of slides and a little bridge. Um, to highlight the movie Brave that's coming out. There's a massive sand sculpture that they've built as well, advertising um, the new film with all the characters sculpted in sand. It looks really, really awesome. Um, and basically, when you go up to the area, you're asked to join a clan, so you spin a wheel very, like, Wheel of Fortune style, and then whatever clan that you land on, which is based around all the clans obviously featuring Brave, you get a little badge to say that you're part of that clan and you go around doing all the games. It's very, it is a very like village fate kind of thing um, where everything is very safety so there's no like points on the arrows or anything and the target for the arrows is actually Suction. a hole through the middle. <laughs> no, it's just got a hole through the middle so you're kind of firing a stick with a it looked like a paintbrush on the end of it. It's really bizarre through the hole in the middle of the target. Right, and okay. um, the tossing the haggis, they've if I don't know if you've seen these games, like when you've been to like Chessington and Thorpe Park, when you've got the little frog and you put it on um, like a little pad thing, and you hit it with a hammer and it catapults it into the lily pads. Yeah, it's like that, and they've got like a target zone. Um, oh, no, sorry, it's got a basket, and you flip it into the basket, score points, and then there's another one where you just throw the haggis into a board that's got holes with different value points on it, and the uh, cables are obviously not real trees they are just um foam filled sacks which looks quite amusing but yeah good stuff to advertise brave so at what point do we go this is a good idea what point do we go this is a little bit stereotypically offensive with how many <laughs> games can we create with a haggis <laughs> um i think it's nice like it's something extra to do whilst you're at epcot and um they've got the so carry on with the wi-fi thing they've got the little tents dotted around in there so when your children are being entertained doing all the archery and the haggis tossing um you can sit checking your emails or your facebook or your facetime there you go it'd be interesting to see whether they keep these games going and and change them for the olympics (laughs) not obviously tossing the cable or throwing a haggis Mm. But I know they're already selling... Well, they're selling both Diamond Jubilee and uh, Olympic-themed merchandise in the UK pavilion. So it'd be interesting to see whether they keep something like this going for the Olympics. I don't know. Yeah, I think it'd be easy to modify for something like that. So put a long jump in and stuff like that. Put a long jump in. <laughs> well, what's the sound? Like, all the sand thing has, like, deteriorated and all the weather and stuff, and they decide to knock it down. They just turn it into a long jump pit. Okay, and the cables <laughs> are going to be used for pole vault. There you go. Or javelin. And you could pole vote over the uh, the Chinese um, sort of archway that's by the river. <laughs> yeah, just incorporate it. Now, I'm going to say this again this year as well, because we've, we've not been on air since uh, it happened. Uh, why do Disney not air the uh, Eurovision Song Contest in the American American Gardens Theatre? He's a bit daft, though, don't how cool that, would it'd that be a fantastic like event for um, people in the US to actually witness. Witness just how tragically <laughs> awful. It is. Yes. Come on, Judge. You like a bit of uh, Eurovision, don't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not then. Right. Uh, moving on. Then we are going over to the Animal Kingdom and Judge. 
Over at Disney's Animal Kingdom again, we have Sundown, a celebration, which is a show that's been put on different guises throughout the years. Um, can't say it began yesterday because Adam puts a show out in the middle of the week. <laughs> um, so I, I can tell you, do you know, I've said this three times already. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd have got it right the first time, it wouldn't be a problem. Adam just keeps disconnecting. Anyway, it started from June the 3rd, 3rd straight through to the June the 30th, and there's loads of events happening straight after the parade, right through to the park closes. Not even going to say my funny joke this time, can't be bothered. In Asia, you'll find speciality food and beverages, tea brewing and cooking demonstrations, and finally, an Indian dance and street party. Discovery Island has two bands, the Island Groove Steel Drum Group and the Viva Gala Street Band, along with a flamingo game for kids. Not even going to say my humorous comment there either. Oh, my village... <laughs> The only difference is I know what I'm saying this time. <laughs> it's the first time he's actually sounded like he knows what he's talking about. Yes. That's probably the plan. Uh, offers specialist works of art, food demonstrations, uh, which they do anyway. I think they do this all the time. The, the yeah. works of art are always there. A mm. wine walk and a juice tasting and the street party with the Tam Tam drummers and the Burdirect band, which are always there as well. Pricing for the wine tasting walk, though, is $11 for six tastings. Right. Uh, $8 for four tastings. Why would you bother? You go for the six. And four dollars for non-alcoholic juice tasting. <laughs> so all you really need to know is that it's eleven dollars for six tastings. Okay. I presume these are pint glass tastings here. <laughs> but no, I love I love Animal Kingdom. Love nothing about it, and I think this is great. And do you know what? I'd even go for the tasting walk thing. Yeah, for, sounds good. Yeah. Tasting walk definitely definitely sounds really really good. Uh, but it's um, nice to see this is back again because uh, it's it's always been really really popular. Uh, in the past and obviously it's continued to be popular for the fact that they've decided to bring it back again uh, right let's move on before uh, basically get we get cut off again and we can start <laughs> another news story for a third time uh, and Disney today have released some images to do with uh, Dumbo's big top that uh, guests are going to be able to go inside of while they're queuing for Dumbo the Flying Elephant attraction They've always said there's going to be this new interactive queue area which guests are going to be able to go and enjoy. And in fact, it does look exactly that. Uh, on the inside, it's got very much a, a kind of Dumbo's circus theme. It's got Dumbo hanging from the ceiling. It looks to me like there's an indoor play area there as well as a, a sort of circus inner circle which has got a clown car and a few other elements in it as well. Uh, there's slides, there's things you can bounce on and jump on. It does look really, really great and it looks like it's going to be something that's going to be perfect for children. You think about how Disney, the sort of um, play areas that Disney do really well. It's that sort of area. Are inside, lights all over the ceiling. And uh, one of the things it does say is the innovative queue area will completely redefine what it means for guests to prepare for a Disney attraction. How it will work is guests arrive at the Dumbo Big Top and receive a circus ticket pager that virtually holds their place and notifies them when it's their turn to board the attraction. Kids and kids of all ages can then become part of the show inside the tent by enjoying circus-themed play experiences while Dumbo flies high above. Interesting, there's a slight change, because originally you were going to be given a coloured feather, but now you're going to receive a circus ticket pager. Um, so some something slightly different, bringing in some uh, technology there, I suppose, with those pages. Um, interesting to see whether those pages will be in use all of the time. Mm. Is that what they times. did uh, with Rock and Roller Coast? They tested something like that. Before. Yeah, they did. They <laughs> tested something. Uh, I'm trying to think whether it was Florida or Paris. They tested it. It was Florida. It was wasn't Florida. It? Yeah. And they had the um, Guitar Hero stuff mm. that you could go and play and enjoy. And then your pager went off, and then you went and joined the queue. So yes, you did right. It was the pager stuff. Um, not the judge will be taking any role in in this particular <laughs> attraction because Fantasyland's for kids, as far as he's concerned. But. What? You know, Judge, like, would you not want to go and play in the kids' play area? The judge said I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> Is that the same one who said you can't go and stand outside Buckingham Palace? Yeah. Right, okay. Well, that should be opening uh, when the attraction opens in July of this year. So go over to DisneyBrick.com. There are images there. Okay. Let's jump on a plane and uh, head over to Disneyland Paris, where we have one piece of news for you from Disneyland Paris, and that is it. Kez. Yep. The uh, Magic Everywhere theme song, which is for the new anniversary parade at Disneyland Paris, is now going to be available um, on one of their little memento CDs. It's going to have two tracks on it. It's going to have the um, the normal version that you hear in the parade and also an instrumental version. So if you like to do your karaoke, so mix mouse meets, we try and have it and people can sing along to it. <laughs> but yeah, these are really lovely little things to take home because it's always something that takes you straight back is the music from like the show like Fantasmic yeah. and things like that 
And so I love buying these little things. I have a um, the Halloween one at home. And that's amazing to play. So yeah, this is available now at Disneyland Paris. So you can pick that up and I'll be picking that up in a couple of weeks mm. when I head over there. Uh, right, that is all the news and rumours that we've got for you this week. Oh. We are going to move on to, and we're doing it for the first time in a long time, Around the World in 80 segments. We're going to be taking a look at the Imagination Pavilion. But before we do that, we thought you'd play a little bit of audio, which is that opening uh, fantastic theme from this weekend's Diamond Jubilee, the family festival that was going on at Hyde Park, played by the wonderfully brilliant and live Disney Concert Orchestra. So take a listen, and then we'll be back with Around the World in 80 segments. Tickets Direct is the UK's number one ticket provider for Disney, Universal, and the worlds of Discovery Parks. They offer unbeatable prices and expert advice on all the major tickets and attractions in Orlando, California, and Paris. The service Attraction Tickets Direct provides is second to none. Lines are open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week. Customers receive real tickets, not vouchers, within seven days. 
And there are no hidden extras, such as credit card fees or posted surcharges. Now that's what you call great service. Log on to www.attractionticketsdirect.com or call free on 0800-975-0002. Hi everyone, this is Craig Duncan. Please come and join me for my soul show every Sunday at 9 o'clock UK, 4 p.m. Eastern. You'll only find me on Orlando Sky Radio. Come by and say hi. This is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and when I'm in Britain, I listen to the Disney Brit Podcast. Hello? Is this the red telephone box in Epcot? This is the red telephone box in Epcot. Wow, well, this this is the Disney Brit podcast, and we're based in the UK, and we ring the red telephone box to say hello to people, and you've picked up the phone, so hello. Hello. This probably sounds really strange, I'm sure. Um, are, are you on spring break? I am on spring break. I'm sorry, so I, I didn't ask. What's your name? Uh... Michael. Michael. You sound worried, Michael. It's fine. Don't worry. And I heard someone in the background okay. saying, this sounds awesome. Who was that in the background? What's your name? Uh, I'm, I'm Adam. Adam? Yeah. Okay, nice to meet you. Who's, who's that in the background who was shouting, this sounds awesome? That's my sister. Your sister. So you're there as a family? Not as a family. This is a uh, spring break crew. So, oh, spring break crew. Right. Okay. So, um, I, I, who are you there with? Sorry, what? Who are you there with? I missed that last part. So you're with your sister? Friends from and school. Some, oh, okay, some friends from school. Cool. So you're all at college? Yes. Okay, and, and you're in Epcot, obviously, today. is I, I take it it's really busy in Epcot today. Hello. 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 Goodbye. Are you still there? Okay, well, anyway, it looks like you guys have gone. Uh, so thank you uh, and goodbye. One little spark of inspiration. Is that the heart? Well, we are bringing back around the world in 80 segments, and we are going to look at the Imagination Pavilion on this occasion. We could have looked at Test Track, but I didn't think there was any point. Fair to find it's closed, and when it opens, it's going to be in a brand new looking building. Well, not brand new looking building, but brand new looking attraction anyway. So we're going to have a quick look back over the history of the Imagination Pavilion and see what some of the changes are and discuss just what it's like today. So Imagination Pavilion opened in 1982 and has... Three significant phases the way it's changed since it was opening. The first was uh, when it first opened, it had a 3D movie in there called Magic Journeys. Now, did anybody get the chance to see Magic Journeys? No. No, <laughs> just no, because it, it was there 82 till 86, which is before I was too my little time. too. I have seen it. Um, I have seen Magic Journeys since it's finished. Anybody else seen it since it's finished? I've seen it on YouTube. And that's yeah, I've seen it on YouTube. It, 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 as good as it got for me. It kind of reminds me of that video they made that the, the characters watching the Clockwork Orange. Oh, uh, God, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit strange, to be mm, honest. A little bit Twilight um, Zone to me. Yeah, Murray Lerner produced the film. Uh, it was, again, a song that was written by and composed by the Sherman Brothers. Uh, and uh, basically the whole story... Well, I don't really quite know what the story was it was just a load of really random things like it's supposed to be children's imagination or whatever yeah, but yeah it gets apparently. slightly twilight zony and scary there's, especially with the witch at one point it's a witch and there's real horses becoming fairground horses and children grabbing metal rings that morph into the moon and 
just, and scary magicians and, and clowns. And it's just all very, very strange. There wasn't there uh, some sort of Japanese style house at one point, things like that. Yeah, uh, the kid end up in a house, and then the cat turns into the Sphinx, and you fly over that, and then you end up in a circus. It's all very. There we go. Very if you've trippy. never seen it, if you have never seen Magic Journeys, you must look for it on YouTube. It's the trippiest thing you'll have ever seen Disney mm. do. Honestly, it's really, really quite bizarre. Uh, it was uh, in 1984. It made a two-year run in Disneyland. Uh, it was then removed in um, in Walt Disney World in 1986 to replace by the next thing that came in. But in 1987, it was uh, the first time that an attraction, a 3D attraction, had moved from one park to the other because it actually saw it return to the Magic Kingdom in Fantasyland. It was there for six years until it was replaced uh, by The Legend of the Lion King. It's actually where uh, Phil and Magic is now, and it was also accompanied by a Chippendale short, if I remember rightly, as well. Um, so you could see that over at the Magic Kingdom in Fantasyland. We then had Captain EO, which came in in 1986. We all know about it. It was one of the most expensive movies ever made. It was like a million dollars a minute, something ridiculous like that. Mm. It was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, produced by George Lucas, starred Michael Jackson. It was one of the first 4D movies ever made. Um, and we'll come to the storyline a bit later when we actually talk about it in a little bit more detail because that's the attraction that's currently there. Then Honey, I Shrunk the Audience was there. That arrived on my birthday, November 21st, 1994, until May the 9th, uh, 2010. It was based upon the successful Honey, I Shrunk the series, uh, where an inventor of the award was uh, presented. Uh, it was actually Wayne Zielinski was being presented with the Inventor of the Year Award, and we were invited to come along and and see the, the ceremony for itself. And there was all sorts of elements in it to do with 4D... Um, wind water the whole theater shaking all of that sort of stuff that went on as part of that as well and that was sort of there for quite a while and they sort of talk about that actually coming back someone is furiously tapping on their keyboard because they want to say something nice to me i'm guessing but i don't know what it is um also uh what happened next well uh the um honey i shrunk the audience and the may the 9th 2010 disappeared and once again Captain EO returned, and Captain EO is currently still there for what they're saying, and uh, not an unlimited engagement, but an engagement of which they've not decided when it's going to end. Have any of you guys seen Captain EO since its return? Yes. No. Right, you haven't, because we, we know your opinion on Captain EO, don't we? So I'll be quiet for a minute. So yeah, you can be quiet for a minute. Kez, your opinion when you've seen it since its return? What do you think of it? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. So you keep cutting out oh, really badly again. Rubbish. Try again. Okay. So Kes, you've seen Captain Neo. What do you think of it? Oh, um, I think it. I, I enjoyed seeing because I didn't never saw it originally. Um, so it was nice to see it. Um, as it should be, and not on YouTube, obviously. But because it didn't have all the in-theatre effects that it had originally, I think that detracted from it slightly. And also, I kind of disagree with them bring it, bringing it back after what they said about um, Michael Jackson and stuff and like banned him from the parks. And as soon as the court case came in, they stopped showing Captain EO and things like that. And as soon as he died, they kind of monopolised on that a bit. Because they did a little bit, didn't they? Because people mm. really came back for it, and there was queues of people coming to see the and show. And loads of new merchandise and stuff. And yep. I thought, mm, it was nice to see it, because I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. But there's that undertone there, where it feels like they're taking advantage a little bit of the situation, which I didn't like. Whereas I was really looking <laughs> forward to seeing it again. Obviously, I hadn't seen it for years and years. I'd taken Zoe. She'd never seen it. I was like, Captain Neo has this brilliant thing with, with Michael Jackson in it. And, you know, and it's all these special effects and it's mm. 3D and that sort of stuff. And we kind of sat down. I watched it back and I was kind of like, oh, it's not as good as I remember it being. It was, all, it was still, you know, good, but... Yeah, my family were very disappointed by it. Because mum and dad absolutely love Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And I still like that. I have like a special like memory of Honey, I Shrink the Audience. So I always like going to see that. So it was a bit of a kind of wish Honey, I Shrink the Audience was still there. No, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, so the, the attraction, basically, it was about Captain EO. He was played by Michael Jackson, who was kind of a space pilot. I don't know what you can really call him. He has this band of 
really strange misfits. And he was given the job of uh, delivering a gift to the Supreme Leader, who works uh, lives on a planet that's just basically made from metal and, and stuff like that. And he arrives, and she doesn't like him, and she captures him. And um, she orders them all to be turned into rubbish and spend 100 years in a dungeon. And basically, Michael Jackson, or Captain EO, gets out of it by singing, get everybody else to sing, and turns everybody into nice things, into 80s dancers in leotards. And um, the the supreme leader, who is played by Angelica Houston, realises that he's not so bad after all. And it all ends with them skipping down the yellow brick road, singing. Of it is Disney after all. It is very Disney, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was. It's okay, and it's still there. Now the question is, and this is a question I ask you both, Juz, is Honey, I Shrunk the Audience coming back? No. Kaz. No, I don't I think do it like... will. I wish it would come back. Because I'd love to see it, like, at least one more time. But I don't think it will. Go on, you can say something, Joss. No, I'm just going to say, like, like Kez, I, I did enjoy it. It probably just needed to tighten up a bit, and I think I enjoyed it. I think it was good. Kids mm. loved it. I loved it to start off with. Uh, I loved it in 1994 and 95 and 96 and 97 and 98. And then when they stopped making the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, the Honey, I Shrunk the movies, nobody knew what it was anymore. And they were popular at the time, but they've never had that longevity. And the problem is now, if you were to take anyone under the age of, let's say, 15 or so, to see it, they'll be like, that was nice, what's it all about? I don't get it, I don't understand it anymore. Um, And they kind of shoved in this new character Nigel Channing which is played by Eric Idle who didn't exist anywhere previously and the problem is they ran with it and they ran with it in this and in Journey to Imagination coming to in a second and it kind of meant that they kind of had to keep both of them going in a way because if they changed one and then he was still in the other it wouldn't necessarily make any sort Mm. of sense if we look at them and their um, idea of everything sort of coming together uh, their synergy this didn't really happen um but I'm kind of hoping it doesn't come back because I'm sick to death of it now and it doesn't mean anything and it's so outdated that it's the sort of thing that we we kind of laugh at Universal for doing and things like that, for putting in an attraction that they just keep going on and on and on even though it has absolutely no relevance whatsoever. If we look at things like Sounds Dangerous in Hollywood Studios that has A, absolutely no re- relevance, B, the technology is outdated and, and C, the host uh, in it, who I forget the name of off the top of my head. That's it. Um, used to just do like uh, whose line is it anyway and he's disappeared into the ether and they realise that that has no place in the parks anymore they've ripped it out and now they use that venue for doesn't seasonal. he do some other show at the moment I don't know if he does anything at all at carry- I, th- I thought um, did he not follow on from Family Feud and all that or not? he might have done I don't not know sure. but uh, you know they, they got rid of that because it was outdated and it didn't fit anymore and they kind of need to do the same thing with the the audience now what they're going to put in his place I have no idea now I kind of hope that they're going to go along with the the rumour, which is that the whole of the pavilion will become a, a much larger journey to imagination. And there's rumours of that happening, it taking over the whole theatre space and everything and becoming a much larger attraction that could even work on more than one floor. Um, but we'll see. I don't really know. That would be cool. I just hope that they don't do what they do with, like, with Wonders of Life and just shut it down, just like, oh, Captain EO's finished now, just leave the theatre redundant, because that would be a real shame. Well, they've already got that happening with Wonders of Life, and that's now become their conference mm. and special events facility and and they can't really have more than one of those going you look at the odyssey as well that's already that's going on down towards world showcase where that they use it for the same sort of idea you know they can't get to the point where they've got more buildings empty than they've got full in in world mm. showcase it's going to become a bit of a ghost town but i yeah you're right i don't want them to bring honey i shrink the audience back for the sake of it you know the, the rumors are that they're going to build they're going to completely overhaul journey to imagination now another can't do it at the minute because they've got a test track down and that's fine uh, but for what we know, the reason the hold-up is the amount of money it's going to cost for them to do it. Um, and they've not necessarily got the budget in which to do it with the building of fantasy and things like that. So let's uh, talk about Captain EO. Uh, let's give it a rating uh, for Captain EO, as we always do with Around the World in 80 segments. So uh, what are you going for? Uh, Kes, who's it suitable for to start off with? Uh, I think it's suitable for... Not maybe really young children, because I might get a bit scared by some of the creatures and stuff, especially like the Queen. And the also by the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> but from about like seven, eight upwards, I think. Would be so we're good. looking young children, te- tweens, teens, adults, yeah. elderly, all that. Not uh, 
And out of five, what are you giving it? Three, because I do like Michael Jackson, but without the other effects, it feels a bit like half-hearted. See, I'm going to go two and a half. I'm going to, because I, I can't quite bring myself to give it a three, but I don't think it's bad mm. enough to be a two. So I'm going to go smack down the middle, two and a half. There you go. So make your own decision. Jose, are you abstaining from voting? No, if you take all the politics that I believe round this out, I think you'll be pretty, you look at it and go, I'll give it one because I think it, it's just, it has no relevance. It's dated. Um, you know, you were just sort of criticising Honey I Shunk, the audience before. And this is even more data that has mm. no conceptual relevance to anything anymore. So if you take all the politics out of it, I think this is just a one because it's only there because of MJ. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, I totally agree and I think you're right. And I think I'm probably a little bit biased because it was something I remember from my childhood rather than anything else. But um, like a lot of things though, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you put on the show that you remember from your childhood off TV and you go, oh, look at this. And then you're five minutes into it, you go... I never know yeah. what I saw in this. I think mm. sometimes our memories of things are a lot better than they really were. It's like your last job was always fantastic when you look back on it, but you left because you hated it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, dead right. Uh, so are you going to give it a, you're giving it a two, did you decide? Or a one? One. I'm giving it a one because I don't think it has any relevance. Okay, so between us, we've all decided that it's all right, but not great. And yeah. if it's a long queue... Don't, Don't waste your time. <laughs> right, okay, so let's uh, move on then. We're talking about... We don't know how the audience. Um, the actual main attraction itself, the, the largest of the rides, which has had so many different sort of versions, it's untrue. We've got Journey into Imagination with Figment. That opened in 1983 to 1998, which is kind of like, in a way, the classic version. Mm. Um all right, so it so opened on the 5th of March. You went through on Omnimovers and you got to see the Dreamfinder and Figment. And he was in his big balloon and you went through Dreamport and, and all of those sort of different elements. And it was the time when Dreamfinder and Figment were outside the attraction as well. Uh, and then we had different rooms that were separated by things like art, literature, theatre, science, that sort of stuff. Um, and then you'd come out at the end and you'd go through the image works. We had, it, I remember rightly, this one had the rainbow tunnel and everything in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have the 1999 to 2001 version, which was Journey into Your Imagination, which uh, was updated and opened on the 1st of October 1999. It did include and feature Dr. Nigel Channing to fit in with the Honey I Shrunk the Audience um, 3D movie. Then you had basically it looked at senses from now on. You had a sound room, an illusion room, a color room, a connections room, and a gravity lab. Uh, and that attraction continued until October the 8th, 2001. There was such an uproar about the fact that Figment no longer existed that in nineteen in 2002, the attraction reopened on June the 2nd and it was now known as Journey into Imagination with Figment. It had the return of the One Little Spark with some brand new verses. The Institute was now based on human senses with sound, sight and smell all included. And you had Figment in there causing absolute mayhem as well, including uh, Nigel Channing all the way through and uh, even Nigel Channing. Channing gets in on the act and starts singing uh, One Little Spark as well. So we have sort of three incarnations of this attraction. Now, who has been on all three incarnations? Not me. <laughs> so really no, I'm going to say no. You haven't. So 1998 was the original. When did it change? It changed uh, in 1990, sorry, 1998, 1983 to 98, and then 99 was the new version. No, I would have only no. See, I managed. I was. I did do all three versions. Uh, Journey into Imagination with Figment, awesome, absolutely loved it, and I think it's the one that really sticks with people because it was such a good attraction that people really enjoyed it. And I think if it was around today, uh, I think we would be having the same conversation as we've had about Honey Ocean and the Audience and Captain EO in the fact that it was very much, you know, it was simple animatronic characters. It was very 1980s in the style of its attraction. You know, well, I don't think it would have stood up to the test of time as well as things like Carousel of Progress have, but it was still such a classic and so well done that they could have kept the original mm. and kind of updated it. Um, we then have the Journey to Your Imagination, which was very short-lived. Uh, which I do remember as well and then we had obviously Figment included right towards the very end Um, so what we're looking at then is the 2002 onwards version which is the one that's there now which you can go and enjoy so uh, 
Kez, do you want to give us your sort of opinion on this particular version? Oh, this is the only version that I've actually um, been on. And I really, really like it because I love Figment as a character. I think he's brilliant. And I would love it if the Dreamfinder came back at some point. Um, and they bought, it would be good to have like the walk around character as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a nice little um, ride through. I think it would appeal to quite a lot of people. Maybe not something you would like continuously go on, especially because it's not really based around um, like Disney characters as per se. Like it's not like Snow White or Fantasyland stuff, so the, the smaller children might not mm-hmm. really get it. Um, yeah, it's just a little comedy thing. It fills the time, if you know what I mean. But it's just a fun little jaunt, and I do like the one little spark song. So, Jos, I really like it. Okay, bizarrely enough. I, I don't know why I can't put my finger on it. To me, it, it sums up that sort of that fun element of Disney in a lot of ways, mm. and I just like it. I think it's great. You see, I'm I'm completely opposite to you two. The newest version, I'm just not a fan of at all uh, because of like, it almost feels like it was a complete removal from what the attraction was supposed to be in the first place this this fun thing about your imagination about how you know you can, your imagination can do anything to this more formal almost strictly educational elements of we're going to now look at smell and sight and sound and all that sort of stuff and it kind of almost took the fun out of it a little bit for me so this version is okay you know there's never a cue for it does has anybody ever queued for this attraction i have you have About 25 minutes yeah wow that was uh, late August, so not even at the busy period, really. So, yeah, it's quieter time when most people start to go back to school. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever... I can ever remember actually queuing for it. And then saying that, I don't think I ever would. If there was a queue, I think I'd just leave it and move on. Uh, because I'm not really that much of a fan. But I suppose we need to work out who it's for. Are we Are we saying it's cute for everybody it's suitable for? Or? I would say everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're saying everybody. So what we need to do then is give it our... Uh, out of fives so what are you giving it out of five just three and a half three and a half okay I'm going to give it a four because I love figment you see if I was to go between this and Captain EO it would be Captain EO every time so I'm going to give it a two that's a massive difference between a four and a two Mm. Um, but I think it's maybe because you remember the original Yes. And obviously we've yeah. never seen the originals, so we don't compare we have got nothing to compare it to. So I think as you said, like when you look back at something, you always think, Oh yeah, that was so much better. Mm. And so you're gonna compare it that way, I think that's why. That's probably my problem. I'm still always comparing it to the original and how it's never quite lived up to the original to me, so I suppose, in a way. Listen to the other two, it's just me being sentimental. <laughs> right, there's one other element of the Imagination Pavilion we haven't talked about, and that's the image works, uh, which happens sort of as you come out of um, the um, Imagination attraction, rather than the 3D attraction, as you come out of uh, Journey into Imagination with Figment. And this is a big interactive play area for children, there's uh, loads of elements to it. It's changed over the years, there's some things that have been there and some things that haven't uh, been there for so long. But in 1999, it did have a refurb, uh, and they moved everything downstairs because there was some stuff upstairs. Came to the What If Labs. Um, you had the Kodak sponsored it in 2010, and the sponsorship was taken up in 2012 by Color Vision, who uh, now got the green screen photo experience in the theme parks. So the original exhibit had. Um, Dreamfinder School of Drama, which is a blue screen uh, experience where you could appear in front of movies directed by Dreamfinder. There was the Western, the fantasy, and the sci-fi. There was the Stepping Stones, where you could, you, you touched coloured panels on the floor to make music. There was the um, Figments colouring book, the Rainbow Corridor. The Rainbow Corridor was awesome. If nothing else, I love the Rainbow Corridor. The electronic... Um, Philharmonic where you can conduct the orchestra using sensors. There was kaleidoscopes, vibrating mirrors, all sorts of stuff. But now you've currently got stepping t- uh, tones, which is much like the original, but it's uh, you have picture panels that you can jump on. You can transform yourself into an animal and email a photo to your friends. And you can videotape your image and play it back in super slow motion. And it's kind of undergone a bit of a transformation in which works, I think, hasn't it? Anybody sort of stop at this or do you just wander straight through and... I did originally um, when we first went in 2001 but it's gone so downhill and they've closed so much of it off because last time I was there I swear hardly any of it was like working or I think it was literally just the animal um, email thing and the stepping tones that were there right 
Definitely. It's just such a shame that all of a sudden, going from all of those wonderful things mm. to just these like two or three things that may or may not be functioning, I think it's a real shame, especially when they've got that space upstairs with a lot of the stuff already just still there. Yeah. Jules, do you go in here? I'm, I'm going to completely agree with Kev. Yes, we used to always stop in there, but the, the, the more we've been is less things are working and more desolate so mm-hmm. it was great when it's and you put more stuff in there then yes i'd stop a lot more i think it goes back to the the whole rumors doesn't it about uh are they going to do something with this attraction and are they not willing to spend the money to to improve it too much because they know that they might rip it out in a year or so and you're right there is that hole upstairs which they used to use which is fantastic that's now just completely disappeared mm. uh, and it, it's sad to see that that's not there anymore but um you know there's I suppose Disney are doing it for a reason. The one thing I do really miss, I don't know whether you guys ever saw it in there or, or had a go, was they used to have a kiosk where you could um, basically create your own Disney CD. You could, oh, if you yeah. heard all of the music in the parks and there were certain songs you really liked, you could go and get a CD done with all of those particular songs on. Did, uh, did you ever see that, Jez? I saw that in 2001. That, when we... yeah. Was it still mm-hmm. there? No. It in 2001. I know it's gone yeah. now. Did, did anybody buy a CD from it, though? No, no. I'm sure Adam did. Yeah, I did. Because <laughs> that's... I'm sad like that. No, I couldn't I get near it. Some, some drama teacher was always hogging it. No, I was, I was over at the uh, the Dreamfinder School of Drama. That's where I was. <laughs> uh, trying to get in. He wouldn't let me. He was obviously mean. But um, that's basically the whole of it. Um, I don't think we need to sort of vote on uh, on what we... Uh, on what we want to give the image works because there's, there's hardly anything there anymore but uh, certainly that is the well you can if you want do you want to no I just oh, I was in the fact that, that you're right it's yeah it's it's sort of a it's like your corner shop thing. you all love it but it's all falling apart yeah that's <laughs> pretty much what it is Anyway, uh, that is the end of our Around the World segment. And not only that, that is the end of the show. So thank you again uh, for joining us. (laughs) Thanks to our sponsors at toyingplans.com and also Attraction Tickets Direct for sponsoring the show. And as always, thanks to Juz. Thank you. Um, Probably when I did say hooray, it was the fact that how many times we've had to redial this session. Yeah, that's pretty much (laughs) what it is. Yeah, we've, we've fallen out. Not fallen out, literally fallen out, but falling in and out all night. Um, thank you, Kez. Thank you. And we hope you get better soon from your thank you. fake illness, from your flu, sorry. Uh, thanks uh, for you for listening, and make sure you email us your comments, questions, and suggestions to podcast at disneybrit.com. You can also ring us on our voicemail on... Uh, 407545... Oh, I've lost it. 7980. Seven, nine, eight, oh. No, 7980. And if you want to do it for free... I'll take that how ill If you want to do it for free, you can head over to disneybrit.com and on the right-hand side there is an Ask Us a Question. You can leave us a message and we will play those messages on the show in future. <laughs> you can also, as I've already mentioned, check out our website, disneybrit.com, for all the latest news and rumours of everything that is going on in the UK. Check out our Facebook page, our Disneybrit fan page. Friend up myself, Juz and Kez also Mouse Mag someone was asking don't me this week Kez, I don't think she's got long no, in this she's... world <laughs> <laughs> someone has actually put a message on the website saying how do I get hold of Mouse Mag well go to magcloud.com if you go there and search for Mouse Mag you'll find all the editions you need there also you can order them as a print copy you can just get them as a PDF you can also get them through the Mag Cloud app for your iPad as well so they're all available over there thanks to those people who are leaving us reviews on iTunes do continue to do that and also check out our YouTube channel especially this week where there'll be some footage coming up of both the Disney tent and the Magic of Disney and concert show that was at the Jubilee Family Festival you can also check out uh, Orlando Sky Radio for all your latest Orlando news and some great music as well as things such as Iron Orlando the Celebration Show Craig Duncan's Soul Show as well there's loads and loads of stuff going on over there and uh, that's pretty much it at least with nothing else to say other than the next edition of the podcast will be out on Wednesday the 13th of June so until then we'll see you